0: This is The Final Word.
1: Good evening, I'm Albie Oxenrider, and welcome to the award-winning and star-studded Final Word. In order of importance, it's not necessarily in that order. If you're keeping score at home, this is the show that invites you into the conversation. You can get your opinion on TV every Sunday night here on Channel 11. And with that, let's introduce tonight's three panelists. From 105.9 EX, the afternoon host, Mark Madden.
2: Yo, Todd Frazier, you beat your chest, you bragged and you boasted when you got called back up to the Pirates, and now you're hitting 0-50. You're one
1: for 20. But don't you worry, son, it will all be over soon. From our partner, DKPittsburghSports.com, Dan Kovacevich. Hi, Dan. Hi, Albie.
3: Never, ever underestimate the power of the boss in an equation. The boss said in January he needed to address the running game. Boy, did they ever do that.
0: And from the Tribble, so Stewart's Radio host Tim Benz. Hi, Tim. After draft coverage was over, Albie, I switched over and watched the Kentucky Derby. And Kentucky's governor got booed so badly, I thought Gary Bettman was presenting the Wreath of Roses. Some of the topics we're talking about tonight, we're looking for five
1: words. The biggest thing that caught your attention on draft weekend, what holes remain in the Steelers game after the draft? How important is winning the division and home ice? in this season for the penguins and your thoughts on the pioneer league replacing extra innings with a home run derby woo but first tonight's big topic give us some way too early predictions about the steelers and their draft class mark
2: the steelers draft was very focused Alby, uh as dejon said in the open uh they wanted to fix the running game and they have done i'm not sure if they fixed it for right now or for next year when Mason Rudolph's the quarterback. But they got the best running back in the draft. They got a tight end who's willing to block, unlike Eric Ebron. They got a center who might be plug-and-play, just might, probably will be starting by the fourth or fifth game. And then they got a tackle with some promise with their fourth pick. So they really looked at their biggest weakness, was was the lack of a running game. And again, I don't know if they solved it, but it was an organized draft. They made inroads, and you watch. Najee Harris is going to gain 1,500 yards total offense as a rookie. Dan, wow, that's pretty bold. You, you, watch. you, really, you feel? Wow, okay, I,
3: I'm not going to dispute it. I, that just you kind of threw me there. E- even with the bad offensive line, mm-hmm. he led college football last year in broken tackles. Well, we'll see how bad they're going to be. I, I, I you know, m- my feeling with this offensive line is that the Steelers feel better about it than anybody on the outside does. The Steelers, of course, could be wrong about that. But I, I think that there'd be some reasoning for the fact that they did wait till they did to get the offensive line picks. Alby, to me, I, my first impression, the most powerful impression I get of this draft is that they got the best player at the position that they needed most. That's Najee Harris. But they also got maybe the best tight end in the draft. And that really was a position of need. Mark mentioned Eric Ebron's blocking, but they didn't have anybody. Behind him, if if you can name Kevin Rader, congratulations to you, but the the Steelers had absolutely nobody at the tight end position. They addressed that, and they addressed it in a big way.
0: All right, Tim. My way-too-early prediction is at this time next year, people will cite Najee Harris as a reason why teams should draft a running back in the first round. Hmm. I think this is going to work. I think this is going to work well, and I don't have a problem with the concept of a back helping the rest of the offense as opposed to the offense constantly helping the back, which is what we were told for two months the Steelers shouldn't bank on. Well, you know what? Le'Veon Bell, when he was here, helped the rest of the Steelers' offense. I think Najee Harris is going to do the same thing.
2: Alby. 10 or 15 years ago, Najee Harris would have been one of the top 10 players picked in the draft. The running back crap, it's gone too far the other way. The Steelers got to steal. And the
1: Steelers themselves said they had him number eight overall. Yeah, it seems like a great pick for them. But a reminder, keep those comments coming. You can find us on Twitter, WPXI Final Word, on Facebook at The Final Word. Now it's time for five words. Give us five words on the biggest thing that caught your attention on NFL Draft Weekend. Let's start on Twitter. Steelers got what was needed from Facebook. Brian says, ask me again in November. And back to Twitter. Jay Smith says, Steelers have too many holes. Now Mark Dayan and Tim, five words on the biggest thing that caught your attention on draft weekend. Mark, you're first.
2: Uh, Nothing because I didn't watch. It's an overrated non-event as far as viewing. You get the picks as soon as they're made via Twitter or if you just want to Google. So I just didn't watch. But from what I did see in the aftermath, some highlights? Zach Wilson's mom has got it going on. (laughs) (laughs) Dayan. Uh, the offense was really
3: addressed we can talk about the running game and everything else here but the fact is it had been since 1984 that the Steelers made their first four picks uh, all on the offensive side of the ball Uh, they will always deny that and they did Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin afterward that there's any kind of grand plan this is just how it worked out this is how the picks come on they knew that they'd been putting everything on the defensive side of the ball for almost 10 years now, David DeCastro was their last offensive first rounder way back in 2012. They did what needed to be done, and yeah, as Mark intimated earlier, the next quarterback of the Steelers is going to benefit from this as well.
0: All right, Tim. Uh, far be it for me, Albie, to take something too literally, uh, but you said in your question biggest impression or worse, that effect, you used the word big, right? How about a punter bigger than Bettis? I mean, did you see that kid? Presley Harvin, the punter, they took in the seventh round? (laughs) Look, hey, I'm glad that Pittsburgh is going to fall in love with the punter because based on last year's offense, unfortunately, he's going to be out there a lot. Now, hopefully, the offense gets better, but uh, keep this in mind. I'm not kidding. After Najee Harris, because of what Deon said, a lot of this is for the future with this draft, I wouldn't be surprised if the rookie with the next most snaps at his position after Harris might be the punter if he wins the job from Jordan Berry. All right, let's come up with a nickname for him. All right, still to come, what holes remain
1: in the Steelers game after the draft? Aaron on Facebook says, more O-Lineman. Back with some more thoughts on that and more of the final word right after this. I'm Albie Oxenrider. Tonight with Mark Madden, Dan Kabachevich, and Tim Benz. Tim, what holes remain
0: in the Steelers game after this draft? The biggest one to me is cornerback. Um, They weren't going to be able to address everything in this draft with somebody who was starter capable. But the greatest need that still exists for a guy who's going to play a lot after this past weekend, is still cornerback. Now, the guy that they got, Trey uh, Norwood, that they got in the uh, seventh round, the guy from Oklahoma who might be a Mike Hilton clone, maybe he, he can be the next Mike Hilton and surprise everybody as a youngster and soak up some snaps at the slot and allow Cam Sutton to bounce outside. But there's still no clear answer as to who's going to be the Stephen Nelson, the boundary outside corner, if it isn't Cam Sutton going out there and Sutton remains in the slot and that is definitely something to watch
1: all right let's go back to Twitter having such an inexperienced offensive line to protect Ben and open holes for Harris could be the downfall of the Steelers since the defense will not be as dominant with those personnel losses all right Dan you're next
3: well if I go through the starting 22 positions I'm not sure that there's a hole like where there's one where you say oh no there's just nobody there Uh, I I think that Cam Sutton is going to be used in a different way. I I agree with Tim that that would be probably the greatest area of concern in general is Cam Sutton starts in a a base package at right outside corner and then he slides inside to sub-packages. Well, most of what they do is sub-packages. Who do you have out there? Jason Pierre? Uh, I I don't know. I'm not excited about what's at right corner, but I'm not super worried about it. Inside linebacker, and this is something Mark's talked about on this show as well, is something where I really wouldn't have minded seeing another option there, another Devin Bush type, or somebody else at least in that mold, if not that quality. Instead, you're going to have Robert Spillane and Vince Williams splitting that job.
2: All right, Mark. Well, first off, I'm not remotely worried about any of this, but they overrate Highsmith. They overrate Spillane. Vince Williams ain't that good, uh, they're going to regret uh, getting rid of Steven Nelson, they should have found a way to keep him, and uh, Terrell Edmonds ain't that good. As much as that offense is going to improve, and it will, the defense could drop off an equal amount or even more. I think they've got some work to do on defense, can they cover up for it schematically? I don't know. Dejon, good point about Sutton really being the nickel. Because they play most of their time in the sub-packages. But I hear Justin Lane's gunning for that outside corner job.
0: Oh, here it comes. There it is. There (laughs) it is. Took a little while to get there,
1: but we found it. Only four regular season games remain for the Pens. Playoffs are a little more than a week away. Dayan, how important is winning the division and home ice in this season in particular you know, for the Panthers. I,
3: I want to say that it isn't, except you look at their record at home, and it's the it's the second best home record in, in the entire NHL. Uh, they have embraced that situation for whatever reason, this team, including when the building was completely empty. So you can't say that it's all just them getting motivated to play in front of their fans. The building's been empty and all they've done is win there. Uh, I don't know that anything is important in the Penguins' scenario other than them continuing to play well. Now, after this weekend, they're 6-2 and two against the Capitals. They were 6-2 and two against the Islanders. 3-5 and five against the Bruins, I guess that's something of a worry. They just need to be their best selves, regardless
1: of where they finish. All right, how important? Uh, Bobby on Facebook says, Pens to avoid their kryptonite in the <laughs> Bruins. Nothing else is, imp- is as important as that.
0: Up next, Tim. I agree with that, and Dayan got there by the end of his comments, too, that uh, I don't put as much of an onus or an emphasis on what happens as a result of winning the division because we don't know what the crowd situation is going to be like. And the whole last change thing, if Sullivan doesn't care about matching up the Bergeron line and the Sidney Crosby line anyway, <laughs> right. d- does it really matter? Like, I think the best thing that could aid the Penguins is making sure whatever slot they're in, They're opposite the Islanders, so they get them in the first round and then take your chances against the winner of Bruins' caps. All right, Mark.
2: First off, if they played the Bruins in any playoff series, because neither coach minds that Bergeron-Crosby line matchup, bet the under an absolute lock in every game. They'll negate each other. But I don't want to play the Bruins. I want to play the Islanders. The Hmm. Islanders are fading. The Penguins were 6-2 against them this year. They were 6-2 against the Capitals as well, but they just beat them twice when the Caps didn't have Ovechkin or Carlson. And yeah, I know the Penguins didn't have Malkin. Let's see if Malkin stirs the drink bad or good upon his return. So uh, winning the division, not that important. Home ice in the first round, very important. Playing the Islanders is by far my preference. But the Penguins are a better team heading into these playoffs. Than they were in either of the last two playoffs. And the big difference is a uh, much better defensive core. You've replaced Schultz and Johnson with CeCe and Matheson. Yeah, see,
3: that Mark's point there about Malkin, though, I just want to jump in there because that's so key right now. They have these four games, Albie. If is able to play in those four, let's see the best version of him because that's the only chance they're going to get to keep any kind of momentum nah, going and into the out playoffs. Power play let's not too. see
0: the figure best out the version. Power let's. Play.
1: Let's not see the best version. Let's see him buy into the system. That's fine. All right. Something a little different tonight. Uh, In fact, very different. Mark, back to you for your thoughts on the Pioneer League's uh, decision to replace extra innings with a home run derby.
2: Uh, Two thoughts. A, it's stupid. B, what's the Pioneer League?
1: (laughs) All right. Let's go to Twitter then. Uh, it's a minor league that draws 500 people a game. I think it's a great idea. Dan, what do you think? Well, I mean, as someone who's
3: covered some four hour baseball games this week, you know, baseball needs to be thinking outside the box here on a lot of fronts. I, you know what? Ask yourself the same thing that hockey did with the shootout, which is, is anybody going to leave before it's over? Nope, no chance. They're going to hang around and watch.
0: All right, Tim, I'll follow up on that Twitter point basically which is it's fine for the pioneer league because it's the pioneer league my second point would be though boy if this were to come to pass and the pirates were in the pioneer league they might finish last all right around the horn on any topic the final word is next
1: It's time now for the final word. Everybody gets a chance, and Tim Benz, you're first.
0: Albie, I'll circle back to that point that I made about Najee Harris and the punter maybe being the guys that get the most snaps potentially out of this rookie class this year for the Steelers. That's okay. A draft can be about this year a little bit and long-term a lot, and I think that's what the Steelers did in this draft. And you know else the Steelers did that? The fabled 1974 draft class, okay? Because one guy... Out of that Hall of Fame draft class, with five Hall of Famers, one of them undrafted in Donnie Shell, not to mention Randy Grossman, who was on all four Super Bowl teams, Stalworth, Swan, Webster, Shell, those guys. I think they combined for like seven starts. Lambert started all 14 and was Defensive Rookie of the Year. But they don't all have to contribute all that much this season to make this a good class. This class ain't going to begin to be judged until after 2022. Mark, final
2: word. Let me name three players for the Penguins who are key performers who are all doing very well as the playoffs beckon. Cody Ceci, Mm. Mike Matheson, Kasperi Kapanen. They were all acquired this past offseason. Even in absentia, Penguin fans, you all owe Jim Rutherford one more thank you. Yes, sir.
3: Yes, sir. All right, Dan, final word. Uh, I'm flying to San Diego bright and early tomorrow morning to cover the Pirates' three games out there, and if I could do everybody a favor, I'd advise them to leave behind all of their old players. It's one thing for the Pirates to lose four in a row, as they've done now. It's one thing for them to fall back. Closer to where expectations have been. It's another thing entirely when your worst players are your oldest guys. Look, I understand Neil Huntington didn't exactly leave the cupboard full of potential other outfielders, but if I see Ka- I Tom out there, or I see Todd Frazier or uh, Trevor Cahill or these guys being the ones that cost the Pirates games, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Albie, let's
2: start the chant: DFA, DFA.
1: Mark, do you have anything else to say about the Pioneer League? <laughs> we have about thirty seconds. Isn't Nothing. that the
2: Wild Things League? No, you know what? It is, I've actually yes, it been is. to a Wild, Wild, Wild things. things game. It's it is no, kind the of front fun down there, mm-hmm. but the home run derby idea is stupid. I mean, do, do you pitched your own batters, or I mean, if the other pitcher pitches to your batters, he's going to try to strike them out. That's not exciting. You bring day out like, on, the day third day base What, hap- on, what
0: happens if Mitch Keller is throwing to his own guys? And oh, never a he to went swing. there. He did. How
2: about T-Ball <laughs> Derby? Maybe Todd Frazier would get a hit, or at least home. put the friggin' ball in play.
1: All right, we've filled the time. Good. Yeah, Summer's screaming for us to extend the show. All right, thanks. <laughs> Our final word now from social media on Twitter. Congrats to Brian Rust and his 100th career goal. Awesome goal by an exceptional player. Another guy who's having a great year. Yes and yes. Thanks for that tweet. Pens are back-to-back in Philly. Tomorrow night and Tuesday night, the regular season ends with the Sabres at PPG Paints Arena, Thursday night and Saturday afternoon. That's the final word for tonight. I'm Albie Oxenrider For Mark, Dane, and Tim, thanks for staying up late. We'll see you next time.